Welcome to Hope in Action, a podcast that focuses on solution journalism in Malawi. I'm your host, Winston Mwale from Africa Brief. In this episode, we'll be discussing how a local organization is running mobile courts to clear gender-based violence cases that have stayed on for too long in Malawi. The Mobile Courts by Organization for Sustainable Social Economic Development Initiative, or SEDI, is being held in traditional authorities in Kula and Bingokwe in Machinga District in Malawi, with support from Spotlight Initiative. Today, I'm speaking to the project officer for SEDI, Ethel Chata. So in the beginning, Ethel, would you briefly tell us what motivated the organization? What was the rationale behind this project? The main motivation I can say was because of the background of the development cases that are there in Malawi. So that there are a lot of cases, or I can say that a lot of victims that they have been victimized but they haven't yet received their justice because the cases have not been brought before court. So we saw it like that if we focus on the mobile courts because we, it's like we take the court to the places where the victims so we saw that that if we focus on the mobile cases, we would somehow uh, reduce the number of the, um, the cases that have not been tackled, or they would reduce, or we would support those victims that have not received their justice yet. By so in in a way that their cases have been brought before court, and those perpetrators have been have been judged accordingly. So that was the the whole. I can say the whole rationale behind it wanted to reduce the background of the cases that are there. This sounds interesting. But then on the other hand, how did the locals receive this kind of initiative? So this was the second phase of the project. In the first phase, we're actually training them, like we're giving them information and also kind of telling them or teaching them how they can report a case. So it wasn't really that new to them because they already had information that it is going to the mobile courts coming to them. We are not like even the first organization to go with the mobile courts to them. So it's not really new to the, the community members. They already know about it. But I can say that they were happy. They were happy to see that we are bringing the mobile the, the courts to them, to the villages, to the communities. Because to them it was like they, they are now they are able to see that the people are receiving justice. It's not like uh, people commit cases, of, they, they commit offenses, and then they go scot-free like that. They were able to see that it, after they commit offenses, they were able to see that they are, maybe have been charged with fines, or maybe they have been sent to the court. So it was like, yeah, it helped, but it was really something that was good, I think, in the, in the eyes of the community members. And then uh, talking about these cases, would you recall some case that was um, so fascinating that you people handled? Yeah, so we had this case. It was about defilement, whereby the victim was a old girl, and then the offender was, I think, 45, who was uh, the stepfather to the daughter. And the funny thing, it was like the, the mother of the daughter was behind this man who, who, who was the perpetrator. So it was really something interesting to watch. But then in the end, it happened that the man was sentenced to jail term, I think, three years or more. Yeah, and then this reminds me that um, how were you handling such cases where maybe witnesses were reluctant 
to come forth. Actually, before we started the, with the mobile court, we we had to sit down with the, the people from the court, people from the from the police and the community leaders. So where we had to come up with the uh, what are we going to be doing so that we shouldn't be having those cases whereby we have those who want to testify and then they are being directed. What we agreed was that when their case has been committed, we had to make sure that that case has to be handled with an immediate effect. So like we shouldn't wait like for four, two days, four, five days before the case has been handled. So immediately the case has been committed. The police were supposed to go there and record the testimonies because most of the times uh, those People, they, they change their testimonies after some time, maybe because we, those perpetrators have gone to them, maybe to threaten them or to give them money, so they're telling them that you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't say this before court, you should be like you're testifying on my behalf. We're making sure that if they, after the case has been committed, they are supposed to be handled with an immediate effect. To make sure that those giving testimony shouldn't be changing the I mean, this is a brilliant project, but looking at the fact that this kind of project is not found in almost every part of Malawi, what lessons uh, could you say you have learned out of this? Well, what I can say of it is that gender bills is there in Malawi, and it's huge than what maybe a lot of people know what is in Bemai. Because there have been cases, maybe they have been committed, but many people do not even report because maybe they, they, are, they are afraid that they are going to lose their support after the perpetrator is going to bridge out. Maybe because the perpetrator is related to the chief, something like that. So I've seen that it's really huge, the gender-based diversity in Malawi, it's really huge, like it's a big thing than what is in papers. But when we're doing the normal court, I could see the transformation in minds of people. Like people now could see that if my daughter has been defiled by my husband, who is the stepfather of the daughter, I can actually report this thing to the officials and I'm going to get the required support. Because in the first post, people were being afraid that maybe they're going to be laughed at by the community members. Like, why are you reporting your husband to the officials, this and that? So I've seen changes. Because after conducting maybe a quite number of mobile calls, now we could see a lot of cases being reported to the police. And also another thing, with the support that we're giving to survivors now, so, because we're giving the support to the survivors, but we, only those that uh, their cases have been handled before court. So, we're giving them support. So, with that, I've also seen that um, a lot of people now, are, they are being open to report the cases than before, because they know that he, even if my husband is going to go to jail, I'm going to receive the support, and I'm going, I'm not going to suffer because I have this support and I'll be dependent on my own. I think this project is really helpful and like changing the mindset of people and it's helping to bring the justice that is supposed to be there. You've brought a very interesting aspect. I mean, the issue of giving survivors startups for small-scale businesses. From your experience, do you think these uh, 
small scale businesses are sustainable? Yes, they are. Because when we were giving them the support, we, we did not just give them like that. We had to do the assessment and some more training, and also there are already some infrastructures that are already there that we, they have to look into that. So after giving them the support that we gave them, the, the structures that are already there, they are supposed to be like guiding them on how to maybe to conduct the businesses. And also because that is, it's not just a giveaway thing, it is actually a, something that they are going to be paying back so that he, when they pay back, those that were not given or those they, the survivors that are now available now are going to receive from the money that are going to be paid back by those that have already received. So it's something that is sustainable. It's not going just to end there. It's going to be there permanently. Thanks so much, Ethel uh, Chaza, for taking part in this podcast. Thank you. And also today we have the child protection worker in Machinga, and this is Robert Kampulusa. First of all, Mr. Kampulusa, how are you today? Uh, I'm fine. I don't know about you. Well, I'm doing great. Let's go to the issue to do with this project by Osedi. So in your opinion, how has the project helped in recognizing and reporting defilement and gender-based violence cases in the area? This project has made us... uh, to come at a clear picture in the issues concerning about deformed cases. Here in Tienkua, we have a lot of cases that is happening, but uh, most of people, we are not uh, coming open to say that all oh, these people, uh, this man has deformed, devoured this child. But uh, with this project, the Spotless Initiative under uh, OSED has assisted us in our area. Previously, when the case is there, most of people, especially guardians, were not uh, reporting the cases. There was no uh, follow-up cases. Uh, even justice, uh, I mean the court themselves, people were not known about the courts. The courts have mandated during mobile court to come across where people are. So this is what uh, has made us to come in a, a good environment. Now children are well protected in the area due to this mobile court. In your opinion, during your work and maybe talking to people, why do you think people were not forthcoming? Why do you think people were not reporting development cases? Okay, they neglected in the sense that to go to police and report the cases, for them it was difficult. But once this spotlight initiative came, it supported us with the funds. And um, as you hear that mobile court were done exactly at the community level. So these people coming from um, their villages go to report to the police and go to the court. It was a challenge on that time by then. We also understand that these mobile are not just assisting on the issues of defilement, but also gender-based violence. Could you shed more light on that? You know, there's uh, some gender-based violence, like uh, in cases with uh, economical uh, abuse in the house, uh, domestic violence. There are also so many cases in the community there. But uh, with this, 
has supported all of them to come together and to have justice in hand, especially those women and girls. We understand that mobile courts, normally they are held in the open. What do you think about that arrangement? Do you think people are comfortable? Exactly. People are comfortable. And people in the village there, they doesn't know there's uh, some laws. They do things, but without knowing that I'm infringing somebody. When the mobile court is there, it's the, the way they understood that, oh, this is not good to do in, in the village. It yeah. means they learn something. That sounds good. But is the arrangement of holding the courts in the open, is it welcomed by the community? Exactly, because they were gathering a lot of people to hear what will be transpired at that court. And how did that help? It helped to spread the, the message that, okay, this kind of attitude, it's bad towards each other, especially gender-based violence. What about uh, some challenges? What do you think are some of the challenges faced by witnesses who refuse to maybe testify in such courts? Uh, that is one of the challenges we met, because most of the um, witnesses they refused to go there because they knew that once I go there, that man will be convicted. So he refused to go there to to make a witness. And how did you deal with those kind of cases? Okay, we go there to convince them, saying that if you don't go there, it means you are the one who is also involved in this attitude of GPV. So to you, to be free from that, you have to go there and just describe it to your party so that a perpetrator or a suspect will defend himself on what he did. Thanks so much, Mr. Kampulsa. Is there anything else that you would want to say as far as mobile courts are concerned? Just to appreciate, my thanks is to go to Spotlight Initiative through OSED, who was the pioneer on the ground. And um, I wish myself, because uh, the cases are still, so that we need more mobile courts in our village to assist people who are being violated there, because there are some of people who are still victims of the gender-based violence in the community. Thanks so, so much. Thank you. Well, we have come to the end of this episode, and uh, we think that this episode has given you an insight into the work done by organizations, you know, like OSEDI, to end gender-based violence through mobile courts in Malawi, in a district called Machinga. Join us next time for more inspiring stories of hope in action in Malawi. This has been your host, Winston Mwale from Africa Brief. Thanks so much.